Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. I'm Robert Costa in Washington, and this week on Face the Nation, former President Donald Trump faces yet another legal setback. And with the South Carolina Republican primary less than a week away, Nikki Haley is fighting to stay in the race. Crooked judge, crooked judge. He's a crooked judge. Former President Trump lashes out about his latest legal turmoil, a New York judge ordering him to pay nearly $355 million in a civil fraud case. It's a sham case. There were no victims, no defaults, no damages, no complaints, no nothing. And with days to go until the next GOP contest, his lone opponent seeks an opening. He's going to spend most of this year in a courtroom, not on a campaign trail. That's not a way you win. Meanwhile, foreign aid sparks debate on the campaign trail. You've got Congress saying, well, do we support Ukraine and Israel or do we support the border? That's a false premise. We can do both. We'll hear from both of South Carolina's Republican senators, Tim Scott and Lindsey Graham, about their recent trip to the U.S.-Mexico border and how the death of Putin critic Alexei Navalny will impact the push to aid Ukraine. Then, South Carolina Democrat Jim Clyburn was key to Joe Biden's 2020 primary win. We'll hear whether he has any concerns about President Biden's re-election. Finally, on this President's Day weekend, a discussion on leadership, character, and American values. It's all just ahead on Face the Nation. Good morning and welcome to Face the Nation. Margaret is off today. Congress is on a two-week recess, but there is an urgent push among some lawmakers to do more to fund Ukraine. This weekend, another major Ukrainian city fell to Russian forces. And at an annual security conference in Munich, President Zelensky pleaded for more help from the U.S. and from allies around the world. Do not ask Ukraine when the war will end. Ask yourself, why is Putin still able to continue it. 
But the path forward for more U.S. aid remains uncertain. Last week, the Senate passed a $95 billion foreign aid bill that included money for Ukraine, Israel and more. But the GOP-controlled House is not expected to take up that measure. South Carolina Republican Senator Lindsey Graham, who opposed the bipartisan Senate legislation, joins us now from Clemson, South Carolina. Senator, good morning. At this point, do you expect any new U.S. assistance for Ukraine from Congress? Yes, I do. I feel very optimistic after having been on the phone all weekend talking with my House colleagues that there's a way forward regarding the border and Ukraine. The Problem Solvers Caucus, uh, uh, Congressman Fitzpatrick and uh, uh, Gossenheim, I'm sorry, Josh, I can't remember. Josh Gottheimer from New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. They've got a pretty creative idea. Here's what they're saying. Let's go back to remain in Mexico as a border security policy. And that was the number one request of the Border Patrol on our visit to Texas, Senator Scott. Go back to remain in Mexico. You have to wait in Mexico for your solemn claim. You're not released in the United States. And secondly, uh, to reinstitute Title 42, uh, uh, those two things on the border, I think, are simple, will work. And they want to slim down the aid package to $60 billion, all lethal aid. And here's what I told them. I think that's a winning combination. I suggested making the lethal aid alone, like President Trump has suggested. The Europeans gave Ukraine $50 billion dollars. 33 of it was a loan. So I think if you turn the uh, lethal aid into a loan, do remain in Mexico, Title 42, that combination not only gets through the House, it picks up votes in the Senate. It would be welcome relief to the Ukraine. It'd be a blow to Putin. It will also help Israel and Taiwan. Senator Graham, let's stop there for a moment. You stunned many of your colleagues and U.S. allies around the world when you opposed this recent. No, you did. With opposing this bipartisan legislation. Now it seems you are prepared to support this emerging House legislation from some of these centrist Republicans and Democrats. To be clear, this is a $66 billion package that goes across Israel, Ukraine, and border security. Are you saying this morning that you are a yes vote? on the Fitzpatrick House proposal? Uh, Yes, I'm saying that the House proposal, it depends on how it's written, makes perfect sense to me. I think you'll pick up six to eight Republicans who want to help Ukraine, but believe that the bipartisan border bill was not sufficient enough. Why did I vote no? I want to help ourselves by securing our border. I want to help Ukraine, Taiwan, uh, and Israel. The border provisions were were not adequate to the task, even though there were many good things. So so remain in Mexico is the number one game changer. You put that in the package, you slim down the package to lethal aid, but I don't I would support humanitarian aid, smaller in number, if it was a loan. Again, the Europeans have made thirty three of their fifty billion dollar uh 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 transfer to Ukraine a loan. Let's make it a loan. I think that gets you President Trump on the, the aid part. Let's go to Romania, Mexico. We've got a package at work. And as to, as to what happened in Russia with Navalny, Navalny was one of the bravest people I've ever met. When he went back to Russia, he, he had to know he was going to be killed by Putin. And he was murdered by Putin. So what, why don't we do this? I just got off the phone with uh, two Democratic senators. Let's make Russia a state-sponsored terrorism under U.S. law. Let's make 
make them pay a price for killing Navalny. It would allow the Navalny family to go to U.S. court and sue Putin's Russia for killing of their loved one. A state-sponsored terrorism designation is a game changer. It would allow more sanctions. It would open up the American courtroom. Do you expect legislation on that this week? Yes, absolutely. President Biden told Putin, if something happens to Bali, you're going to pay a price. President Biden, I agree with you. The price they should pay is to make Russia a state sponsor of terrorism like Iran, Cuba, and North Korea. They deserve this designation. Uh, Putin's been killing people, opposition leaders, for decades now. He's dismembered Syria. He's one of the world's Senator worst Graham. actors. He's an indicted war criminal. Yeah. I want to come back to what you said about this news you just made, that you're now supporting House legislation on Ukraine funding after opposing the Senate legislation. You said you yeah, think you I, can get former President Trump to buy in on some components. That's a big guess. Or have you spoken to former <laughs> President well, Trump about your new support for this House bill? And yeah. are you confident you can convince him to not try to kill what Brian Fitzpatrick, the House member from Pennsylvania, is putting forward? Good question. I have not spoken to President Trump about this package. I spoke to President Trump earlier in the week about making the aid to Ukraine alone. This was his idea, not mine. Uh, you know, we did lend lease to Britain. We're $34 trillion in debt. Uh, Ukraine has minerals. They have a lot of resources. Israel uh, has a strong economy. They've been hurt badly by October the 7th. Taiwan is a pretty rich nation. Why don't we do this? Make a favorable loan to all three of these allies. Uh, let them pass back when they can, if they can, because we're 34 trillion in debt. That's the Trump idea. If you embrace that, I think you get a lot of votes in the House and the Senate. President Trump says, let's wait on the border. With all due respect, we cannot wait. It's a national security nightmare. A 2,000% increase in people on the terrorist watch list coming across the border in two years. Five billion people could be killed by the amount of fentanyl coming across our southern border. The largest loss of life of young people in America is fentanyl poisoning coming across the southern border. So I don't want to wait. I want to act now on the border. I want to turn the aid package into a loan. That makes perfect sense to me. And I think the bipartisan uh, uh, problem solvers group has an idea that will sell. So if you're Putin, I want you to know we're not going to pull the plug on Ukraine. We're going to come after you. We're going to make your country a state sponsor of terrorism. You're going to pay a heavy price for murdering this brave man. But Putin's watching what's happening in Congress, and he must wonder, where is the Republican Party these days? Former President Trump has been invited by President Zelensky to come to the front lines. Should he do that? And do you have any concerns, Senator Graham, with how former President Trump has spoken about NATO allies and how he has said, If they're delinquent on payments to NATO, well, Russia can do whatever the heck it wants. Is that appropriate, especially in terms of U.S. foreign policy? I think what's appropriate is for everybody to meet the obligation of 2%. Sam Nunn in 1984 threatened to withdraw 30,000 troops a year from NATO uh, if they didn't make the 3% number back in the 80s. So here's what I think. They should pay up. 19 of 31 NATO nations do not... Uh, contribute 2% of GDP. I want to have a system where if you don't pay, you get kicked out. But no, I'm not inviting Russia to invade Ukraine. President Trump is right to want NATO nations to meet their obligation of 2%. We need to turn it into an obligation that means something. I'm a big fan of NATO. 
but there's 70, 80 billion dollars left on the table. If you're in NATO, pay the 2 percent. Final thing here, Senator Graham. Special counsel Herr is scheduled to go before the House Judiciary Committee in the coming weeks. You're on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Do you plan to push to have him testify before your committee? Uh, we'll leave that up, Senator Durbin. I got some ideas about that, but I just want to end it. One, thank you for having me on the show. I see a pathway forward now for Ukraine, Taiwan, and, and uh, Israel. I see a way to secure our border in a more simple fashion. Let's make Russia a state sponsor of terrorism. All of this can happen in the next 30 days. It would be a game changer for the world. So uh, we'll see what happens. The talks seem dead. Now they seem alive. Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, thank you. Thank you. We turn now to South Carolina's other Republican senator, Senator Tim Scott. He joins us this morning from his home state. Senator, thanks for being here. Former President Donald Trump has spent a lot of time in the courtroom in recent days, and his opponent, Nikki Haley, says that's a burden potentially for Republicans nationwide to have a standard bearer who's in the courtroom. Does she have a point? Uh, She does not. Here's what we know without any question that this has only exposed the two-tier justice system that many Americans fear. You have a justice system that hunts Republicans while protecting Democrats. Bob, one of the most uh, compelling pieces of evidence towards this fact is special counsel Hur's report that said that absolutely without any question, Joe Biden mishandled classified sensitive uh, material. At the same time, you have courts actually targeting and running after Republicans, not just, however, the former president, but whether it's pro-life activists or folks showing up at uh, school board meetings uh, being referred to by this Department of Justice as domestic terrorists. We have a two-tier justice system that is being exposed. You talk about the Justice Department being weaponized, but that's a claim made without evidence here. That, there's, that it's somehow being weaponized. You have to have intent well, when it comes to here, making that kind of claim. Here, here's what we see. The special counsel Hurd's report is crystal clear that the president of the United States is too old, his memory faulty, which makes him sympathetic for a jury, so they're not moving forward with charges. But those, the okay, report well, is clear Senator, that, those, they mishandled, that he mishandled classified material. That report is and there was no charge. Bob. I think we can agree on that. The characterizations have been highly contested and there was no charge included in that report. But when it comes to former President Trump, Senator Scott, do you believe the RNC, the Republican National Committee, should be involved in paying his legal expenses, which are mounting? I can only tell you that without any question, when you look at the two-tier justice system that we have that I just reinforced, I think it's important for us to note that without any question, the American people are very concerned about how that would impact their lives. Their issues are very clear, by the way. The American people are more focused on their future than Donald Trump's past. What they're more focused on is making sure that our southern border is secured. We're looking at almost 10 million illegal crossings by the election. The American people aren't asking the questions about legal challenges. The American people are asking questions about economic challenges. They're not talking about legal challenges. They're talking about 
their challenges and across you, a kitchen table. And you were just in Eagle Pass with Senator Graham on Friday, yes, focused sir. on border security. You are being mentioned as someone who's a possible vice presidential contender for former President Donald Trump. Should you be, ever become vice president, whether it's this time around or in the future, an important question is how do you specifically see the role of vice president on the day of congressional certification? What do you believe, Senator, is the role of a vice president on the day of congressional certification? Well, here's what I'm not going to do is answer questions that are hypothetical about the past. The one thing we know about the future is that the former president, it, it, fortunately, he'll be successful in 2024. He won't be facing that situation again. I'm not asking so, you a hypothetical you. question. I'm asking you a constitutional question. How do you see the role of vice president in terms of the congressional certification? The Constitution is very clear. And you stand by your decision. This, to this, this is not, there's, there, of course I do. There, there, there's not a question that, that we're going to ask and then have answered about the past. I'm not changing my position. Let's move on to politics. Uh, Nikki Haley's sure. been tough. She has been a longtime ally of yours, not so much anymore. Her son, her adult son, Nalen, has referred to you as Judas yeah. uh, for endorsing former President Donald Trump. What's your response to Nalen Haley and to Nikki Haley, who has not really disavowed that comment, though she's kind of shushed her son from time to time. Here's what I would say. Politics makes people and their families desperate. It's unfortunate for a person with the high caliber of an individual that she has been to stoop down to having her and her family refer to me or anyone else as Judas Iscariot or any other name calling. But it's not about me, frankly. It's about the American people. So I, I hope that they get back to focusing on the underlying issues. But until then, speaking of that, I'll continue Senator, to should former President Trump myself to be forgiving in that ability, in that process? And just final thing here. Speaking of name calling, you say focus on the issues. Should former President Trump stop calling Ambassador Haley Birdbrain? Well, I, I think her, her son should stop calling me Judas Iscariot. So there's lots of things that we can talk about, but let's just keep our focus on the American people and why it's so important for us to, as elected officials to focus on their issues. One of the reasons why President Trump is leading so significantly in the polls, one of the reasons why he actually won more women in New Hampshire in the poll, uh, in, in the results of the election than Nikki Haley did because, because he was focusing on law and order and securing our southern border and safety in our streets, improving our economy. These are the issues that we should focus on, not the back and forth and the challenging times in which we live uh, and the simple comments that are you know, they're throwaway comments long term, but they mm -hmm. can do damage short term. Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, we appreciate your time. Face the Nation will be back in one minute. Stay with us. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. 
Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. For some analysis on the fraud ruling against the Trump organization and what's next on the legal front for the former president, we're joined now by CBS News legal analyst Ricky Kleeman. She is in Southampton, New York this morning. Good morning, Ricky. Former President Trump is expected to appeal this ruling in the civil fraud case. What do you expect next on that front and how is he going to pay? Well, let's look at if he has a good appeal. And I think that many legal experts would agree that he does, and for two reasons. Number one, this is a statute out of the state of New York that was designed against fraud, but consumer protection fraud. That is, people who did not have sophistication in the marketplace, people who could be taken advantage of by a scam. Here, the president's lawyers have persisted in saying that there was no victim here, that the banks were repaid, they were never late with a payment, the banks were happy to do business with them, the banks could do due diligence, and the banks went away happy, and the banks were satisfied. So they have challenged this law from the very beginning, and an appellate court might want to take a look at it, because it is a way of putting an industry or a company out of business. Secondly, Donald Trump and his lawyers will look for a reduction in the amount of the penalty. The penalty is astronomical. When you look at how you go forward with an appeal, what you have to do is within 30 days, either post the amount of the penalty up with, in with uh, interest, so it's 120% of the penalty. And we're really talking about something like $450 million to post. If you can't do that in cash, you're going to have to find assets that will be collateral for a surety company. This is a mighty task for financial advisors at dealing with Donald Trump and the organization to get the money or the bond for that appeal. If the appeal can't be docketed because of the money, the money's going to have to be paid. This is one of several challenges facing former President Trump just in New York. Starting next month on March 25th, he has a hush money payments criminal trial beginning in Manhattan. What are your thoughts on how that's going to play out over a six-week period in March, April, and May? What we have to remember is that this is the first case against a former president. That makes it of historical significance and importance. You're going to have uh, a judge who is strict with Judge Merchant. There is not going to be any fooling around. It is going to go forward with all deliberate speed. There are people who perhaps would have preferred on a nationally significant level that the January 6th case went first or the Mar-a-Lago documents case went first. But nevertheless, this is a criminal case. It is multiple counts of falsification of business records to commit or conceal a crime. And according to the DA, that crime had to do with tax purposes, had to do with federal election law and state election law. There is nothing here about this case to make it seem like it's de minimis, 
to make it seem like it shouldn't be done, it will be done, and if there's a conviction, these counts have a four-year prison term maximum. And you can serve, uh, you can run for president and serve as president if you're convicted of a crime in our system, correct? Not only can you run and serve, you will find, as you well know, that here in the life of Donald Trump, the political and the legal collide. That's certainly the fraud case Donald Trump will use in order to say that there are people who have exceeded their authority, like the Attorney General of New York. Then he looks at the New York case. He will be able to campaign that the district attorney has exceeded his authority by going forward with these kinds of cases. So it plays into the political reality at a very important time on the political calendar. And Ricky, down in Fulton County, Georgia, in recent days, Fonnie Willis took the stand. Do you expect her to be dismissed or disqualified from the Georgia election interference case? Well, it was a salacious couple of days uh, on television watching and a camera in the courtroom uh, to hear about the personal uh, intimate relationship of District Attorney Fonnie Willis and the special prosecutor that she hired who was her lover for a period of time. The salaciousness of this and the fact that she decided to testify when she was angry mm -hmm. leads us to a point that it has probably hurt her credibility. The case will not be dismissed. I doubt that she will be disqualified. But ultimately, although she wins the motion, I would say that it could be said politically that the case then legally really becomes a loser. We'll leave it there. Ricky Kleeman, thank you so much. We go now to Congressman Jim Clyburn. He's in Santee, South Carolina. Congressman, good morning. Thanks for being here. We appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for having me. Congressman, you are a longtime confidant of President Biden. When you look at his reelection campaign right now, you're optimistic, I know. But what's your biggest concern? What keeps you up at night politically? Well, the thing that keeps me uh, wide awake are the misinformation uh, efforts that are underway uh, throughout this campaign. I've heard so much uh, from people uh, uh, sharing to me things that just aren't true. So much from people who seem to feel uh, that everything they see or hear uh, via the internet has some substance to them. And so that's the thing that keeps me up, whether or not we're going to have a campaign for the presidency free of all of these interruptions and uh, all of the misinformation. What specifically are you speaking about? Well, we remember uh, what happened up in New Hampshire uh, when people uh, using uh, AI uh, replicated the voice uh, of Joe Biden and put things out over the air that were not true. Uh, we've already seen uh, some of that taking place here in South Carolina regarding uh, the Republican primary, inviting Democrats into the primary, saying things over the air that just are not true. So you're worried about how information is uh, received by voters, how they understand this campaign. But what about turnout? You've seen how the Biden administration's support for Israel and its war with Hamas has sparked some protests at events across the country. Are you concerned that Democratic turnout could be soft 
among some young voters and others because of the Biden administration's position on that issue? Well, I'm concerned uh, about the issue like everybody else is. I'm concerned about what's going on uh, in Russia. Uh, and I think that all of that is part and parcel uh, of the same thing. Uh, and of course, uh, we are hearing from a lot of people who are concerned uh, about what is happening uh, currently uh, with the, uh, the leadership in Russia, with what's going on with the Ukraine war, what's going on uh, in Israel with the Gaza Strip. All of these are big concerns that all of us have. But when you have these concerns, you're looking for people who can lead us uh, through this stuff. And nobody is better equipped to do that than Joe Biden. He is, has the experience. He has the wisdom. He has the demeanor. He has the relationships. He has what it takes to get this country to where it needs to be and to maintain the relationships we need to have with our allies around the world. That you're not going to find on the other side of the aisle. You said he should stay steady with U.S. allies. When it comes to Israel, should he stick with his position on Prime Minister Netanyahu or perhaps rethink that relationship? Well, I'm not too sure that we know exactly what that relationship is with Netanyahu. I've talked to the president uh, about this. And, of course, uh, he is not going to be public with everything he says to Netanyahu. But I know this. He feels about the way I feel uh, when it comes to Netanyahu. Uh, he is, his leadership has not been good for Israel. Uh, we stand firmly with the people of Israel. But I've always had a real problem with Netanyahu, and that continues to be today. You say you have a problem with Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister, and you say you've spoken to the president privately about this. Does he have a problem with Netanyahu? I've shared with the president what my feelings are about Netanyahu. Uh, he uh, is going to develop his own feelings about that. But does he agree uh, he or disagree with your exactly assessment, what, Congressman? Well, he's accepted uh, my assessment. I have not asked him whether or not he agreed with me. In fact, if I just let him know. This is the way I feel. Uh, I'm not running the country. You do what you feel is in the best interest of the country. You famously told then-candidate Biden in 2020 that he should nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court that helped him get your endorsement, helped win over many black voters. What does President Biden need to do now to make sure black voters come out in the same way they did for him in 2020? Does he need to do anything specifically? And does he need to make a new pledge? And what should that be, if so? He should continue to manage the country the way he's managing it. He made that pledge, and it was a timely pledge, because all of us know what the history of the country is. And up to that point, there had been five women on the Supreme Court, and not a single time had an African-American woman ever been seriously considered. And so I thought that that's what needed to be done in that particular instance. No, I would say to him, keep doing what you're doing. Congressman, you are running for re-election, but leaving the Democratic leadership. You're 83 years old. President Biden is 81. How should he handle the issue and question of age in the coming months? Emphasize your experience. Emphasize the wisdom. Maintain your connections with folks. Uh, I'm on my way uh, to New York uh, this evening. Uh, I wish the weather were different up there, but I'm going. Uh, I'll be in Pennsylvania real soon, uh, North Carolina and Georgia, carrying the president's message of experience, of a steady hand, of maintaining our trek uh, toward a more perfect union, doing the things that are necessary 
to maintain our relationships around the world and move this country forward on behalf of all. I am fond of saying this is a great country in no need of being made great. We just got to figure out ways to make this country's greatness accessible and affordable for all of our citizens. And Joe Biden is doing that. And we've got to stay focused on that. Congressman Jim Clyburn, thank you. We appreciate it. We'll be right back. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. For some historical context on this President's Day weekend, we're joined now by Douglas Brinkley. He's a presidential historian and the author of many books, including The Unfinished Presidency. And we're joined by Amy Parnes, a national political reporter. Her latest book, co-authored with John Allen Lucky, chronicles President Biden's 2020 campaign. It's so great to have both of you here. I love reflecting on the presidency, President's Day weekend. And Doug, we'll begin with you. You are close with former President Jimmy Carter. You've written a wonderful book about his unfinished presidency after he left the White House. He's now down in Plains, and it's a year ago today Former President Carter entered hospice care, and a year later, he is still with us. Tell us about what you know uh, in, from, from the Carter family, how he's doing. I know it's a tough year. And what his presidency means. Well, you know, he, it is tough when you're 99, but Carter has a lot of will. Uh, and he's alert and eating and has an ability to understand what's going on around him. And I'm hoping he makes it till October 1st, 2024, so we have Jimmy Carter at 100 years old and we can celebrate. Um, he's kind of beat cancer before, but he's, he's focused on eradication of guinea worm disease that used to uh, ravage you know, over 20 African countries. And he, he knows they're very close to doing away with that horrible disease. And he's been the progenitor of that effort. And he still has a cognizant about, uh, about that. As for who he is, he's looking better and better every day in history because you pull back and look at that one, one, one term and you're seeing the Camp David Peace Accord, Egypt and Israel. Um, look at what we have now. Uh, environmental Front, he put as much land as the state of Alaska, uh, uh, of California aside um, in Alaska. And that's only going to grow when climate happens, all that he saved. He injected human rights into our di diplomatic parlance. He's the person who recognized the People's Republic of China, not Nixon officially. Um, and the Panama Canal Treaty, the list goes on and on. He created FEMA, Department of Energy, Superfund sites. So on paper, you look at all of this and you're saying it's a remarkable one-term president who, by the way, is going out with 
the love of the world, a Nobel Peace Prize, and, it, and his integrity intact. And Amy, as Faulkner said, the past has really never passed. You think about President Joe Biden, who you've covered so closely. He endorsed Jimmy Carter in yeah. 1976 when Carter ran for president. He's been to Plains to visit with the former president and the late First Lady Rosalind Carter. And there was something about Carter always feeling misunderstood by official Washington and Biden, a longtime insider in Washington. But you still sense from the Biden people these days a sense that he is misunderstood. Yes, and definitely. And when Doug was talking about one term, I think that that is a line that is scaring a lot of people inside Biden world right now and scaring a lot of Democrats because they think that he could possibly go down that Carter path and he could be a one term president. And that is what is driving the campaign right now and driving the White House to prevent him from becoming that. Um, um, and you're seeing that there there is this worry when you talk to people and they're being candid with you and they tell you what's really going on. There is a worry. They see what's happening in the polls. Biden himself is becoming frustrated with what is happening. And you see what's you see that they're trying. They're looking at the polls and saying, OK, what can we do better? How can we communicate our strategy more effectively? Because I think they know when they're being candid with you that they have failed. And when you look at the Biden campaign, it's not only President Joe Biden, it's Vice President Kamala Harris. What's her role in the coming year as this campaign heats up? Well, first off, it, it really looks like it's going to be Biden-Harris, and you're reading all these people thinking Biden's going to drop out. And I, I don't believe it for a minute. Certainly not until, say, June. I mean, Joe Biden's going to collect all the delegates and own the Democratic Party, uh, and hopefully he'll go on with Kamala Harris. That's their plan. Now, if Biden had to drop out for some reason, I would say poll numbers hitting 22 percent. Uh, uh, then they'd have to probably turn to Kamala Harris unless they were going to do something at the convention, like with the Michelle Obama, uh, Ma Admiral McRaven ticket as some sort of a well, vast surprise. But that's it, pie in the sky. It, it, it's, it's very pie in the sky. But I've noticed, Doug, that Jill Biden, the first lady, has been out front working with the president, uh, urging supporters to rally behind him. Do you believe she's a vital part of this campaign? She is the vital part. Dr. Jill Biden is it. You know, if you go back to 1952, Harry Truman could have run, and he didn't. Why? Well, the Korean War and, you know, other But But Bess wanted to go back to independence. The, the, you know, she, she didn't like it in Washington. If he cut to 68, uh, Lyndon Johnson was quit in March of 68, and people say because of Walter Cronkite. No, the big thing was his health was bad. He had a bad heart. He was smoking high blood pressure, tension, and Lady Bird Johnson didn't want to stay in it. He wanted, let's go back to Texas, and convinced Johnson to step down. So the Truman, I'm giving you two, Truman could have stayed on, and Johnson, and they both said, no, it's because their wives, their spouse said enough. That's not the case with Jill Biden. She likes power. She wants to stay. She wants some sense of revenge. She teaches in Virginia Community College. This milieu around our building here, this is, is her home. Um, and the idea of relinquishing it all uh, after you've taken the slings and arrows of the last uh, years of attacks. And at the last minute, just when you get all the delegates, you're going to say, I'm going to open it up to a bunch of people. It's, it's very childish 
when you read those kind of reports. Yeah. I see no reporting that that's going to happen. No. I don't think he would ever, ever, ever. I mean, he th- he feels that he is the most capable person of beating Trump. He said it publicly. He said it privately to former President Barack Obama. He said it to countless people. He thinks that he's the only one in the game who can do this. And he points to 2020 and even dating back to 2016. You know, he actually had beef with Hillary Clinton for a while because he thought, you know, if he would have run instead, he could have beaten uh, Donald Trump. And so and here we are, you know, in this he thinks in this whole mess. So but his problem is right now that he's going to have to counter all these polls that say that, you know, people don't have confidence in him anymore. When you see polls from 2020, he was supposed to be the guy who united the country, who was there to bring everyone together, who um, was this, you know, he talked about the soul of the nation. And a lot of people look around, they look at their bank accounts and they say, look, I'm still not feeling, I'm not feeling great about things. I, I think that the country has become more divisive. And I think that he might pay the price for that. I hear from my sources close to President Biden that he's so frustrated behind the scenes because he'll point to economic data, even if people feel inflationary pain. They feel he knows they may they might be unhappy with the economy, but he points to the stock market and other data factors and says things are going well. Things are getting better. And he's frustrated about the media all the time talking about his age. How is that frustration playing out behind the scenes? It is. He's very frustrated, according to people I'm talking to. And all those reports are true. He is he's increasingly saying we have done so much. Look how much we have accomplished. Why isn't this out there more? And that's what I was talking about earlier when you talk about a communication strategy. He is having a communications problem, and that is what they're going to have to figure out quickly. Doug, you've written extensively about former President Ronald Reagan. Listening to Senator Lindsey Graham, you hear the tension now in the GOP when it comes to foreign policy. Is this Reagan's party at all anymore? Is it all now in the imprint of Trump, especially when it comes to issues like Putin, Russia, foreign affairs, Ukraine. It's it's um, Trump's foreign policy. Uh, the days of Reagan are over. Reagan has more in common with Bill Clinton's presidency or Barack Obama's. Uh, Ronald Reagan always despised Russia and the Soviet Union because he saw it as totalitarian. He bet on that as a governor in the 1960s, giving ardent speeches, democracy will prevail. Famously, he went and gave his boys a point to hawk speech at Normandy, Peggy Noonan's speech, among others over there, and said, we liberated the first half in World War II of Europe, and now we've got to liberate the second half. So the breakup of the Soviet Union uh, that happened under uh, Bush 41 in 1991, that, that's the kind of thing Ronald Reagan loved. And Reagan would be ill, and particularly his ex-former great Secretary of State George Shultz, to see this militarization in space that Russia is trying to do to you know, come up with new satellites that are nuclear things. Um, the, Reagan and Schultz wanted to start reducing nuclear weapons in the world, not increase them. Foreign policy, also an issue for President Biden. I remember we'd be up on Capitol Hill in recent decades covering him when he was chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Now he's been focused on Ukraine, focused on the Middle East. You heard from Congressman Clyburn. I asked about the protests at some of these Democratic events, about the Biden administration's support for Israel in its war with Gaza. How does the Biden White House and your Biden sources think about foreign policy, but especially what's going on in Israel as they try to galvanize their own coalition? 
That's the big problem right now and the big question. They're trying to walk this tightrope, if you will, because they have to appease the base. The base is not happy. They know they're not happy. And you see him slowly walking back. You know, he was very, very deferential to Israel in, in the early days of the war. Um, now you're seeing it less and less. But I think you're, he's going to have to explain and talk to the people more about what is happening. I still don't think, though, Bob, that this will come down to foreign policy, that this election is about foreign policy. It's not too. 2004. I think that um, it, it will come down to the economy and maybe immigration and abortion um, as two kind of subsequent issues. But I think the economy is what is really, really, really going to drive this election in voters. And apathy, you know, if, if they are feeling like no one understands them, if they're feeling like they can't relate to either side, there is the fear that they could stay home or they could vote for a third party. And that should be also what's worrying Democrats right now. And quickly, Amy, they're keeping and I and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Cornell West and their independent candidacies at the White House? <laughs> they are. It's very real because they look at what happened in 2016, how Jill Stein kind of wrecked this for Hillary Clinton. She was one of the reasons, obviously. They are worried and they should be worried because, because people are so, I think indifference is a huge storyline in this election. The players are, are two people we know. They're baked in. People know about them. The polls say what they're going to say. I don't know if it's going to change that much. And Doug, finally, I was on the streets of New York this week, not walking around. I was covering former President Trump and his legal challenges in Manhattan. Step back as a historian to have Trump facing a hush money criminal trial starting in March, paying potentially hundreds of millions of dollars in a civil fraud case, two looming federal trials on the horizon, also Georgia. We've never seen anything like this. I know unprecedented mm. seems like we use that word all the time, but really, we have not seen it. We have like not. It makes, you know, Spiro Agnew's little bribery thing look quaint in retrospect, <laughs> you know. Uh, Nixon's guys, Haldeman and Ehrlichman and Dean going doing a little jail time uh, over a, a, a bungled third-rate bur uh, burglary look quaint. This is somebody, who, uh, Donald Trump, who's been a predatory capitalist, getting money from wherever he can and making up products, uh, elevating his own self-worth. So what does it remind one of? Another American tradition, gangsters and, and cons, uh, in the sense that we elevate them. I mean, you go to Chicago, you don't hear the stories of the, the great politicians of that era, you hear about Al Capone and, you know, and Dillinger in the West, Billy the Kid and the like. So he's kind of an outlaw president and an ex-president and our country's a lot in the country like that. And Trump, of course, denies any wrongdoing in all of those cases. Douglas Brinkley, Amy Parnes, we really appreciate it. And we'll be back in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. A celebration last week in Kansas City that was meant to mark the Chiefs' win in the Super Bowl took a horrifying turn when a burst of gunfire killed one person and injured nearly two dozen others. Our Mark Strassman has more. Gunshots. Panic on parade in Kansas City. A Super Bowl celebration hijacked. Another American moment shattered. I was just crying a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You had to have been terrified. Yeah, I was terrified. I was traumatized. With today's gun violence, there is no sacred space. Inside this Houston megachurch last Sunday, a woman stormed in firing an AR-15. She was shot and killed by off-duty police officers after a running gun battle. It's scary. It is. It's scary. On average, more than 325 Americans are shot every day. Last year saw 656 mass shootings, defined as four or more victims. I've traveled the world and felt a lot safer there than I did in my own city. We're twitchy. Bullet by bullet, gun violence grafts onto everyday stresses. People are experiencing vicarious trauma. Dr. Arthur Evans, CEO of the American Psychological Association. How significant is this stress? We have about a third of people in the country who are saying that their behavior has changed because of mass shootings. Right after mass shootings, Evans says 75% of Americans report significant stress and that parents of young children especially have concerns about their kids' safety. When you're talking about churches and synagogues and shopping malls, we have less of an ability to distance, and, and, and I think that has a different kind of impact on us. On the polarizing issue of guns, a majority, 56%, favor more restrictions, according to Gallup. I'm a gun owner. It should be, um, you know, harder for certain individuals to obtain a gun. Owning guns makes millions of Americans feel more in control. But with gun violence, anxiety climbs because people feel they've lost control. Why haven't I got shot? I don't know. Guns in crowds have become a new American anxiety. Kansas City, a reminder of Denver's NBA championship parade last year when two people were shot. People just can't go buy a gun or an assault rifle and go kill people. I mean, like, how many more people have to die before we change that? We'll be right back. That's it for us today. Thanks for watching. Margaret will be back next week. For Face the Nation, I'm Robert Costa. Today's guests were Republican South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, CBS News legal analyst Ricky Kleeman, Democratic South Carolina Congressman Jim Clyburn, author and presidential historian Douglas Brinkley, and author and journalist Amy Parms. The executive producer of Face the Nation is Mary Hager. The broadcast was directed by Shelley Swartz. Face the Nation originates from CBS News in Washington. For more Face the Nation, we're online at facethenation.com. And you can follow Face the Nation and CBS Radio News on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Face the Nation is also rebroadcast on our CBS News streaming network at 1.30 p.m., 4 p.m., and 10 p.m. on Sundays. And it's available through our apps, CBS News and Paramount+. Plus. If you like Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? 
Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on Wondery Plus starting May 1st. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.